All right. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the HC Conversations podcast, where we sit down, enjoy a few cups of coffee, and chat with you about the intersection of um, the Christian faith, our everyday lives, what's going on in the world around us, questions that, that you have. Um, that's actually where we really want to go with this, is your questions, and that's what we're going to do today. So That's right. Hello, Paul. Hey, Phil. You know, last week we made a plea for questions, and we, boy, did we get some questions. We made a plea. Uh, so thank you to our faithful listeners. Um, and you know who you are. You sent us some questions and Hey, anybody else that listening or watching, if you've got questions, send them our way. And if you don't, we'll shame you. Just kidding. We won't do that. Um, but we do need more questions. Yeah. So we got, uh, several questions this week and Mm -hmm. they're good ones. And so we're going to dive right into just one, just just one today. Um, before we get to that, Phil, how you doing? How's your week? About normal, yeah. nothing, nothing crazy, hmm. nothing out of the ordinary. That's good. Yeah. Yours. <laughs> same, yeah. Same old, same old. That. Work. You know, the older you get, the more that question is just, you know. Just, I'm I'm okay with that. Yeah. <laughs> like people ask, so so what's new, and you're like, nothing. <laughs> and that's how life was meant to be. Yeah. It's the liturgy new. of the ordinary. There's nothing new. Like, what do you like? Just the beauty and the everyday Eat, monotonous. Eat, sleep, and go to work, and family stuff, and do it all over again. Yeah. In um, fact, usually when something out of the ordinary happens, most of the time it's not good. No. Like, if someone asks you what's new, like, but nothing no. is the good answer. If something's new, it usually means something bad happened. Right. <laughs> not necessarily, but a lot of times, right? It, Unless you like plan something like a vacation, like, you know, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But normally okay. on, an, on a week, if you're like anything new, it's like, oh boy, yeah, something bad happened. <laughs> yeah. So I got our, uh, our work credit card. We call them P cards, purchasing cards. Purchasing cards. I got it frozen Oh. because I tried to buy a color guide and that's color with a U. Ooh. Um, no, from was, the, it com- was it coming from the UK or New Zealand yes, or Australia? Yes, it's coming from the Which UK, <laughs> yeah. from the Royal Horticultural Society. Yeah. Uh, a book of colors. Yeah. And so I got it frozen why, because why? they thought it was a fraudulent purchase. Oh, because it was from somewhere. Other, yeah. Other side of the. And it was a signif- cross the pond. It was a like, it was two hundred and fifty pounds, which is like three hundred and forty dollars. Wow. I said like, eh, cancel. Nope, you can't. So. Wow. So a pound's worth more than a dollar, then, huh? Apparently, it is. I didn't know I that didn't until know I was that. like. How much is this actually? <laughs> <laughs> don't you ever just feel like a lot of times, just whatever, I don't know, whether it's like money conversion or the metric system or like whatever, Americans are just oblivious. Yes. <laughs> Language differences. I feel like in other countries they can like kind of quickly go, oh, I, I kind of have an idea of that. And we're just like, mm-hmm. huh? How much is it? Because <laughs> I have no idea. Okay. So about 250 pounds was, what did you say? 350? $340. Yeah. Okay. So. Interesting. It's an expensive color book. It's 920 colors. I don't understand what it is. That like what So um, for the research project it's just, it's that, a book of that I'm working on, we need a way to describe colors. And this is like an official accepted across the world for plant colors book. Who knew such a thing existed? Well, I didn't. Some people Until like did, just recently. Just crazy. That's crazy. So. Yeah. So yeah, I got got the card frozen, so I had to take care of that. Isn't that weird? Like how many things we buy and order online now, how stuff like that happens. Mm-hmm. And you just feel weird about ordering things online sometimes. Right. Like I'm expecting the um what the DEA, Drug Enforcement Agency, to come like 
pound down my door one of these days because I've been looking for grow lights. We talked about this last week because like to get some garden seeds started, it's about to be that time of year. Yep. And they're probably like, what's this guy start doing all this internet searching for grow lights? <laughs> he's got a, a pastor. Yeah, I'm sure he's funding the church with a drug farm. <laughs> I mean, in my, in my work, you know, I've tried to find you know, images of certain plant parts to, for teaching. And yeah. one of the things I've tried to find before was trichomes, which are little tiny leaf hairs. Uh-huh. And the only thing I could find pictures of in reference to trichomes was about pot. <laughs> so i'm like well this is great i'm searching for trichomes on a work computer and just pot stuff comes up yeah and this was before we were researching hemp oh, at, right. on you, the campus yeah. so interesting stuff yeah anyway online ordering it's just it's always fun and annoying right now Urgh. postal service yeah not just postal service i mean even postal fedex and ups are still from what i hear especially up in a our bit. area of of the world mm-hmm. in old northeast ohio I'm just salty about that because we have a shipment of coffee coming that uh, it's supposed to, it's supposed to been here like two weeks ago and it's sad cause it's not here yet. And so I had to keep going to the store and buying bad coffee. So come on post office. Ugh, I need my coffee. Do not come between me and my caffeine. Uh, Although this is good. What did you bring in today? Uh, this is Panamanian. Mm, this is, it's nice. Mm-hmm. All right, so let's move on. Yeah, moving on to our topic for the day. So the question we got was about the death penalty. Capital punishment. Capital punishment. I should look at the message to get the exact. I don't know, but I've, isn't the, the official term capital punishment? I think so. It sounds more legit. Capital punishment. And even that's weird. I wonder where that definition, like that word came from, unless it just, it's to make us feel better because it, it takes some of the harshness off of it almost if you say capital punishment rather than the death penalty. Right. It makes it seem less personal. Yeah. All right. So it wasn't actually a question. It just be interested in your take. On, oh, our take. On uh, capital punishment because it is a conversation in Christian circles. It is. It's a very, very much. Well, not just Christian circles, like just in culture in general. Like it is a loaded question. Not right. Like lo- it is loaded, but it's also um, it's a hot button kind of topic Mm -hmm. it's a hot topic (laughs) at our small group we kept having that conversation huh about hot topic and the the old stores and then it turned into hot pockets i think yeah yeah anyway um yeah it's 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 a there's people on all sides of it there's it gets it gets heated it's highly debated whether you're talking about like the political aspect of it the religious aspect of it yeah yeah so why don't we just come right out and say kind of where we're at and then we'll work through it um so the reason why christians christians in america especially would be in favor of the death penalty or capital punishment Mm -hmm. is because of their politics and not because of their theology Mm -hmm. okay that's our position that's our position i mean you you can you can debate that you can argue with us because Everybody has a perfectly good reason for believing what they believe, right. obviously, um, and we've been shaped and molded by certain things, but uh, we would fall on the position of, uh, ye, it's it's not the way of Jesus, no, and be- if you make it to be the way of Jesus, there's something else that has informed that opinion other than Jesus. Right, because at the end of the day, it's, a, it's not a political question, it's a theological question for Christians, and that question is, what is the value of human life? And if you're going to believe that every person is made in the image of God, that every person is 
of infinite value that every person is worthy of being redeemed, of having a chance at, you know, eternal life with Jesus, yep. then I think it's very hard to make a case to support the death penalty unless your politics shapes how you read and understand your theology. Yes. Agreed. So that's the episode for today. Then. Yeah, that's we're done. <laughs> we should probably uh, nuance that out a little bit, I, I guess, why we arrive at that and maybe what some of the pushback would be against that. Um, I think, and th- this might get us into trouble a little bit, but <laughs> I'm just going to... You know, sometimes when we have this podcast, our, our thoughts aren't exactly well-formed. They're no. Just, we just kind of say things and uh, whatever happens, Today's happens. no ex- exception. No, today's no... <laughs> exception um, i almost said obsession today's no obsession no we don't have an obsession with, with the death penalty but today is no exception um you know talking about a pro-life position of like i i have a pro-life position uh, and you do as well but it's like it's that consistent like you said every human being is made in the image of god and to be consistent with that, that means, as the popular phrase is, from womb to tomb. Mm-hmm. It's like, that, that's, people are made in the image of God, and that's not something that we get to assign or take away. It's like, no, you're, that's, that, that, that's so core to the Christian faith. Right. Um, in the minute that we start playing with that, I guess, and saying like, um, when is taking a life okay? We are then kind of drawing the line of demarcation that says, well, you're no longer made in the image of God after you've crossed this point. Right. Like you're beyond help. You're beyond being redeemable. So, yeah. Yeah. And along with that, uh, you talked about a pro-life position. Um, usually whenever you hear the term pro-life, it means that you're pro fetus yeah it's um, one very specific now not always because but usually that's, that's that's how politics has defined so it so political yes um but the christian perspective on being pro-life yeah like phil said is from womb to tomb and so that means if you're going to hold a consistent pro-life ethic as a follower of jesus that means you're pro unborn that you're pro uh immigrant that you're pro refugee that you're pro um you know death row inmates that you're pro elderly that you're pro-life of any form that you stand against violence yes like, i mean it's just that you're that you're for the the widowed the orphan the oppressed those people that are being oppressed by our society so and that goes back to the race conversations that we had this summer because if you're not in favor of those groups then you are taking life from them i mean a, a pro-life position affects every aspect of of our lives because we're constantly interacting with other human beings, mm-hmm. right? And it's just interesting that that comes full circle then to what Jesus said the most important thing was. You know, love God with everything you have. Love your neighbor as yourself. Why? Because every single person is made in the image of God, has infinite value that we cannot give nor we can take away. They just have it because they're human. God loves them. Jesus died for them. I mean, it's just, it is all wrapped up in what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Right. Um, so yeah, we would... Our, our take, and um, interestingly, <sighs> what we would say is probably the most orthodox Christian position would be against capital punishment. Orthodox meaning like consistent with the, the teachings of, of the faith. Um, you almost have to use that term rather than saying like, 
traditional or conservative because right. those mean different things in our culture. Right. Holding a position that the church has held for many centuries um, when it comes to the issue of life. The first Christians were yeah. very much pro-life, very much against the government putting people to death, yeah, this very is... much against infants being exposed, very much against society casting out those who had um, ailments and infirmities. That's what made the 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 um like the, the first couple centuries of the church. That's what made the church explode. It mm-hmm. was that kind of self sacrificial love that everybody else was like, "Whoa, that is so crazy. That's so weird. You're taking care of people that aren't even your own. You know, you're loving people." There's like no evidence of those first few centuries of the church ever condoning, you know, violence or the taking of life or anything like that until we talk about Constantine a lot, but like until Constantine and Christianity becomes the main thing in the Roman empire that now all of a sudden it's like, well, we have to somehow um, adjust for that, right? Mm -hmm. We have to, how do we fit? Because, well, okay, Constantine is the emperor and Rome is the empire and now that's Christian. So how do we fit now empire and everything that an empire does, including you know, war and killing people. How do we fit that into our Christian structure? And so like concessions were made, I guess is the best way to say it. But like prior to that, when Christianity first was launched, when it was a persecuted minority, there's no kind of celebration of that. Mm -hmm. But now here we are today, and it is a very celebrated thing. Um, I guess just real quickly, why would we say it's not a Christian perspective to, to celebrate or to support? Uh, I, I don't know. Do we want to talk about any of the conversations around it right now? And just how, like, why it's so prominent of a question right now? Yeah, why don't we talk about that we before we parse into... out some of the more theological so, aspects of it? Yeah. So today is Martin Luther King Day, uh, 2021. Um, there is a federal execution set to take place, I believe, in Terre Haute, Indiana. Of I feel like there's a lot of executions that take place in Terre Haute. Uh, I think so. I think I because there's why. a federal prison there. But the yeah. article I just read about that lady that we were talking about was in Terre Haute, mm-hmm. um, which coincidentally is halfway between where we live here and where my uh, sister and nephews and stuff live in mm-hmm. Missouri, because that's like we would usually stop in Terre Haute when we drove out there. Hmm. Yeah, but Interesting. That's how I know it's pronounced Terre Haute. I, although we could be wrong, we could be saying it wrong. It's not Terry Hote. Terra Hote. Terra Hut. Um, so anyway. there is a federal execution scheduled for today. Um, I believe it is for an African American. I don't know if it's a male or female, um, but just the irony of that on mm-hmm. this day. On Martin Luther King. Um, and so we're talking about. Uh, I mean, it's such a hot topic right now in our society because since i think june there have been a lot of there have been more federal executions than at any point in the last 130 years yeah they've ratcheted Uh, up big time this past year and there hasn't been a federal execution until 2020 um there had been i think the, the last one was in 2003 so we had almost two decades of no federal executions and then suddenly now um lots of executions just within mm-hmm. the last six months. Yeah. So yeah, that's, that's going on. And there's a lot of, cause some people would get excited about that and be like, you know, yeah, that's, that's, that's going to teach people that, you know, they shouldn't break the law. Um, and some people will be excited about that and think people are getting what they deserve. And we're going to talk about again, from a Christian perspective like that, that's not, but like even from, 
a practicality perspective, there is no definitive evidence that shows capital punishment is a deterrent right. to like crime. Um, uh, there's there's no definitive evidence. Actually, there's more evidence that shows it's more of a strain on the system. Like it costs more to have somebody um, put killed or the, the death penalty. Like that's more expensive than a life prison right. sentence. And so like even like just logistically, it's like, well, why why do we do this? Um, and then there, just you also have the, the issue of what if we got it wrong? And there's been a lot of that, especially yeah. since DNA. DNA Was it in the, in the 90s that DNA evidence really started picking up or something like I that? Know. I don't know. I don't know that kind of stuff. But from the time that DNA evidence has become a major thing in criminal cases, there have been multiple people that were on death row that have been like exonerated. Right. It's like... It stands um, from a 2014 Pew Research study. I think about 4% of death row inmates are innocent. Um, and they have been falsely accused, whatever. Um, but there's no way to really know beyond that because our justice system, the way it's constructed, to actually know if there is a person that is actually truly innocent versus not innocent. You right. can't qualitate or do uh, a quantitative Qualitative, qualitative analysis of that. Yeah. So there, there's a lot of, again, this is a very nuanced and uh, discussion with a lot of different layers. And you talk about the political, the criminal justice, the cultural. Um, and so that's why it's, it's a hot button thing right now is because there have been so many federal executions. There's a lot of people thinking about this, talking about this. I know in a lot of the circles of like Christian leaders and stuff that I follow, like a lot of people trying to like get uh, petitions and stuff mm -hmm. out there um, to for stays of execution for people that were on death row that I, I don't remember the one was like there was a crime and somebody like was, was killed, but it wasn't actually at the hand of this person. He was just a part of it. And anyway, all kinds of stuff. And so it's been going around being talked about a lot lately. Um, but from a Christian perspective, let's talk about that. Why we right. think regardless of if it does or doesn't, um, reduce crime regardless of the cost of it. like what regardless of all of that from a theological perspective thinking um through the lens of a jesus follower why this doesn't mesh so the way that we always like to start is by going back to the sermon on the mount jesus kingdom manifesto yeah. and jesus talked about murder he talked about you know you've heard that it's been said you know, do not murder. But I tell you, anyone that, you know, hates his brother has mm -hmm. committed murder. So Jesus raised the standard. He yeah. didn't, didn't just... He didn't lower it. He didn't lower it. He didn't maintain it. He instead raised it and said, yeah. if you hate your brother, you have committed murder. Yeah. And Jesus very, very clearly wasn't in favor of that. Right. And then, I mean, just, you know, an eye for an eye. You know, you right. said an eye for an eye. But it's interesting because that, that'll be one of those uh, verses the reference to that verse. So that, that's an Old Testament verse. Like Jesus is riffing on the Old Testament law and saying, hey, here's all the things like you, you heard it said, you thought this was how it worked. And, but I'm actually showing you like the heart behind the law. Right. Like I'm raising the standard. And so you can't just, cause I, I, I've heard people make that argument. Like they'll go to the Old Testament passage. I don't, are you looking it up right now? I'm oh. looking up the, uh, the sermon off the mount. top of my head, like where that eye for an eye, tooth for tooth, like that kind of thing. Um, and people say, well, see, that's what scripture says. And it's like, okay, 
a couple of different things. One, the, the Old Testament, the Old Covenant, the law, and all that was meant to get us to Jesus, um, that God had not been fully and finally revealed until he was in the person of Jesus. And so it's like, okay, now we have to see that differently. Uh, but also, just in the terms of the Old Covenant law, it was groundbreaking for its time and place in the world. Um, and that law itself isn't about like, oh yeah, you got a eye for an eye. It was meant to set a limit of right. like uh, a punishment cannot exceed whatever the crime was. It wasn't necessarily justification to just exact revenge. And right. you know, Jesus comes along and says, nope, something new is here. Um, so there's a couple places in the Old Testament where that comes from. Exodus 21, 24, Leviticus 24, 20, and Deuteronomy 19, 21. Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says this, You have heard that it was said, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn the other cheek also. And if anyone wants to, take, wants to sue you and take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. If anyone forces you to go one mile, then go two. Give to anyone who asks and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, you look at like the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus' other teachings um, as well his interactions with people, his death on the cross, like retributive violence does not seem to be anywhere in, in the, um, the ethic of Jesus. Right. Rather it's restorative justice. Yeah. It's um, like, I want to heal and mend that which was broken. Yeah. And you don't heal and mend by bringing about more of yeah, what more brokenness, more brokenness, more death. A couple of things though. I think what we do on this topic on a lot of things with the words of Jesus is um, on one level, it's like we hear that, but we and we say we believe that, but we don't really think it works. Like just practically, we're like, yeah, I know that's what Jesus says, but that doesn't work in the real world. Right, because how many times do you hear Christians say, well, you do the crime, you do the time. Right, yeah, it's just like, yeah, I know, I know the whole Jesus thing, but that just, like, those are just nice ideas to believe. Or, or so what we'll do is we'll like just spiritualize it. Well, this is all just like spiritual stuff. You know, when, right. when Jesus says... You know, you've heard it said eye for eye, but I'm telling you, you know, turn the other cheek and, and don't like that's like on a spiritual level. He doesn't actually mean physically like in real life. And so we do this weird thing where it's like, I don't know that the Jesus way really works. And I guess that depends on what your definition of works is. Right. Like, does it work in the eyes of how the world operates? Not always. A lot of times it doesn't. But does it work in the ways of God's kingdom? Yes, it does. So. You have that, but then also we were talking about this a little bit ago of we like to draw these hard lines between individual life and corporate life. Mm -hmm. And so we'll read like the words of Jesus, the Sermon on the Mount. It's like, well, you know, that was for my personal life. I read that and that's like, so personally, I'm not going to get even and stuff, but, you know, corporately and societally, the words of Jesus don't apply. Um, And I just don't think we have permission to do that. No. <laughs> like Jesus never said, oh, by the way, there's a little asterisk beside the Sermon on the Mount and you read the footnote <laughs> and it says, this is only for your individual life. Um, because as followers of Jesus, if we're doing this as individuals, it should nat- naturally spill out into our life together and collectively and as uh, the church and the kingdom people then influencing culture around us. Right. And so there really isn't a divide between, well, this is an individual thing and this is a collective thing. It's like, no, if we're living out the ways of the Sermon on the Mount as individuals, then we also should be living it out as a collective. So right. just a couple thoughts on that. So Jesus said that, but then the Apostle Paul came along and he said in Romans chapter 13, yeah, Paul that and the, Jesus disagree all that the, the time. government holds the power of the sword. That's true. 
well, Paul and Jesus disagree, and they're going to have to take that up. <laughs> that's what we do, though. The, the, the Apostle Paul's going to have to take up his sword and fight Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> come on, Jesus, we're going to go rounds. Let's go. Uh, I don't think Paul's going to win. Like, I mean, Paul was a bad something. Bad man. <laughs> okay? But I don't think he can take Jesus. And I don't think either one of them would fight because that's not the way of the kingdom. Boom. Um, yeah, I got off track. No, we do that though. We, we, we'll, we'll pit the words of Paul against Jesus and be like, well, they, you know, they, they seem to be saying different things. And I know Christians that will like, they make the death and resurrection of Jesus like this magical turning moment. Like, I mean, it is in a lot of ways, right. like where it does, it did change everything, but where it was like, Everything pre-Jesus now, like, kind of doesn't count. <laughs> like, unless, well, unless we need it to support a position, then we'll look yeah. back and be like, oh, there's a verse I can use. Yeah. Paul and Jesus absolutely do not disagree, okay? I mean, they, they just do. Paul says things in ways that are a lot different than what right. Jesus said. He's writing to a lot of different audiences, and he's contextualizing. Like, all Paul is doing in his letters is contextualizing the, the way, the teaching, the life of Jesus to mostly Gentile, right. non-Jewish communities. Um, so he's going to say things differently, but he's going to say the same things. Right. So you bring up Romans 13, right? And you're like, well, see, Paul says, submit to the governing authorities and God has given them, um, you know, they, they don't wield the sword for nothing. They're God's agent or um, instrument of wrath, wrath. It's more fun to or say. Or justice, like depending on the translation. But wrath is more fun to say. Right. Uh, we're going to come back to that because we're going to read some of that. But also just think about Paul's own conversion. Paul was a murderer before yeah. he had an interaction with Jesus and Jesus got hold of him. Yeah. I mean, he was actively pursuing Christians and having them put to death. That, he was standing at the feet, approving of their stoning. Is it that passage in, in Acts, like right after the, the stoning of, um, of Stephen. Stephen, and it says that Paul was continuing to breathe out murderous threats against yeah. the church? It's like, Paul breathes murder. That's what he does. Or Saul at the time. Right. And so then Jesus got hold of Paul. Yeah. And transformed him from the inside out. And he no longer went about putting Christians to death. Instead, what did he do? He went around converting people to follow this Jesus. Um, and not only that, but getting like himself, having like violence done against him. Yeah. You know, and being left for dead, stoned, beaten. And it's like. And not retaliating. Yes. Yeah. I, I mean, think about that for a second. Paul, like, it's not like. Some people are like, oh, well, you know, violence just isn't in some people's nature. Like, that wasn't Paul. Violence was in his nature. Oh, yeah. I mean, he was absolutely okay with it prior to his meeting Jesus. And then after that, there is not one shred of, like, any evidence anywhere that Paul ever used, like, violence or murder or, like, that kind of stuff ever again. <laughs> can, I, can I just make a little jab? Sure. Perhaps there's a lot of Christians in the United States that haven't actually met Jesus. Ooh. Okay, okay, let's move on. Well, let's let's sit there for just a second. Because I think there's a lot of, of Christians who haven't met the real Jesus. They've met like a part of Jesus. Mm -hmm. And there's a version of Jesus that a lot of us have seen and settled for that if you see the real thing, oh, dude, it's so much better. Right. Anyway. So there's people following what they think is Jesus, but it's just a small piece or a snippet or a twisted version of mm. Jesus and not the real thing. Yeah. Hey, that was me for a long time. Yeah, that was me too. I mean, it's still me sometimes. Like sometimes it's like, you know, it's like, oh, you get 
locked into some of your, I don't know, preconceived notions of what faith or Christianity and Jesus is. And it's like, oh, wait. Yeah. yeah. And you need to have the Paul thing done where, you know, you get the scales on his eyes and then he opens his eyes and he can see. <laughs> you mean to spit on the ground, make some mud, smear that on your eyes? I prefer you didn't. Jesus tried that. So anyway, that's so crazy about, about Paul. And then he comes along and he does write these words and he does talk about the governing authorities and all of this. So do we want to read Romans 13? Yeah. You want to read that? Uh, read let's that? start in, uh, in 12. Actually, I got to get back there. So let's in. read 13 first because it sets up the tension. Okay. Because okay. it's like, see? <laughs> all right. So <laughs> Romans 13 chapter, or not chapter one, Romans 13 verse one. <laughs> Romans chapter 13, chapter one, chapter 12. <laughs> All right. So Romans 13, verse 1. Let everyone be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Quans- consequently, whoever rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted, and those who do so will be- bring judgment on themselves. For rulers hold no terror for those who do right, but for those who do wrong. Do you want to be free from fear of the one in authority? Then do what is right and you will be commended. For the one in authority is God's servant for you for good. But if you do wrong, be afraid. For rulers do not bear the sword for no reason. They are God's servants, agents of wrath to bring punishment for the wrongdoer. Therefore, it is necessary to submit to the authorities, not only because of possible punishment, but as a matter of conscience. This is also why you pay taxes. For the, authority of, for the authorities are God's servants who give their full time to governing. Give to everyone what you owe them. If you owe taxes, pay taxes. If revenue, then revenue. If respect, then respect. If honor, then honor. So there you go. What, what Paul says. Paul says, submit to the governing authorities. The, the governing authorities, they bear the sword because they're agents of God's, um, of God's wrath to punish the wrongdoer. Um, and so it's plain and simple, right? Mm-hmm. Just plain and simple. Yeah. It's, it says it right there. It says it right there. Paul's in favor of the death penalty. <laughs> That's how, I, I don't know how many times I've heard that, that passage referenced mm-hmm. to not only for like things like capital punishment, but to, to be in support of anything that a, a government or leader does. Right. When it's a government or leader that I like. Right. Because now, when it's someone I don't like, I never quote that passage. Because, I mean, this verse is being used right now by Christians to support the claims that the election was stolen yep. from President Donald Trump. Yep. When, if you want to understand this verse and apply it consistently, you would also say, well, perhaps God is done and has instituted a yeah. new leader uh, in Joe Biden. But And there's so much going on in this passage. Um, but let's back up now beep, and look beep, at a little context. Beep. What Paul says right before all of this about submitting to authorities, because we got to take the two together. Mm -hmm. So this is Romans 12. Um, I'm going to pick up in verse 14. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be... but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. But be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, 
repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not become overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. And in our Bibles, we have like a chapter break there. We go from 12 to 13. And so like it triggers this thing in our head that's like, oh, Paul must be on a completely different topic now. But no, he didn't write it with chapter and verse breaks. He rolls right into let everyone be subject to the governing authorities. And so I was like, well, which is it, Paul? Like, is it governing authorities have the sword and use wrath or don't repay evil for evil? Leave room for God's wrath. Uh, So Paul's obviously contradicting himself, right? Right. No. That's what we want to think because we we get to Romans 12 and we're like, oh, this is great. It's about me being a a living sacrifice. Mm -hmm. And then we get to 13. It's like, okay, this is about us as, uh, as Americans, <laughs> you know, obeying the government and supporting whatever the government wants to do, basically. Yeah. It, it, you're talking about what we did with like Jesus words too. We do the same thing there. We'll read Romans 12 and be like, oh, those sound like individ- my individual life. I'm not personally going to repay evil for evil. Right. But then I flip the page to 13. And it's like, well, this is about corporate and governmental and, and, and societal life. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, no, it's it's both and. Like both of these have to do with your personal life, and both of these have to do with our our life together. Um, and to really understand what Paul is doing here, and we have to understand like what's going on at this time. Um, interestingly, as in the city of Rome, um, there was some like Jewish revolt sparking. Right. It, it had sparked already. It had sparked. The Jews had been cast out of the city. They'd been kicked out of the city because they were so trying then, to incite a revolt. <laughs> so then you had Gentile Christians remaining. Mm-hmm. And then years later, the Jews were allowed to come back. And so the Jewish Christians came back into their communities. And you had headbutting between the Jewish Christians and the Gentile Christians. And probably the, the Jews probably wanted to start some revolts again. Yes. And the Apostle Paul comes at them both. No. Yeah, says, like, whoa, no. pump the brakes. Yeah, I think one of, the, one of the mistakes we make, especially when we're reading any of the letters, is we read them just as like, like Paul is not just writing a theology textbook, especially Romans, because Romans is like his most dense theological work, and everyone's like, this is Paul doing theology. It's like, Paul is certainly informed by theology, but his primary like thing that he it does in his letters is he's addressing a real group of people right that with have real issues real issues and he's letting them know hey here's how your faith in jesus plays into that so paul's not just like what am i going to write about oh i got an idea i need to tell people about the theology of how that they should obey the government <laughs> it's like that's not what he's doing like you know you were just talking about like there's this idea of revolt in the city of rome in kind of instigated by the the Jews, and now that's kind of getting into the church a little bit. And so in light of that, Paul says, submit to the governing authorities. Right, and he's not talking, I mean, in Romans 12, he's not talking about just you individually. No, it's it's y'all. Y'all. Y'all submit y'all. to the governing authorities. Y'all are living sacrifice. Y'all, y'all need to do this. Yeah. Y'all, y'all, y'all. Like, because y'all, y'all, it, y'all. I mean, he's, you think about the letter that he's writing and then Phoebe delivering this letter to the church. Reading um, it out loud. Reading it out loud and performing this letter. And she's you know looking out of the audience and making contact, eye contact with yeah. these groups of people that needed to hear this that paul's like okay whenever you talk to the jews make sure you you address it this way when you talk to the gentiles make sure you say it this way and he wasn't talking about just individuals he's talking about the body corporately yeah imagine gathering together with the people i mean you you can close your eyes and do this right now if you want to you know 
or, or not, whatever. But like sitting there and he like in this room and this, the leader of your church, Phoebe, <laughs> of the church in this community is like reading this to you and you're, and you're hearing these words and you're connecting them to like what is happening in your everyday life. And so when you hear that, submit to the governing authorities. It's like, oh yeah, you remember when Jack was over at your house last night and he was getting you all riled up talking about, hey, you know what, we've got a couple swords, we need to like, you know, let, let's, let's do this. Let's finish what we started. Let's finish what we started. Let's, let's, let's take back the city of Rome and throw these oppressors off us. We're tired of being persecuted. And then you're sitting among all these followers of Jesus and you hear these words that were penned by Paul and Phoebe's reading this out loud and you hear submit to the governing authority. Like, like that's the context that this is, is written in. Right. It's, it's don't, don't take up sword and revolt against yeah. the government. And like, <laughs> and then like at the end he says, look, if anyone is due, like if you, if you owe taxes, pay your taxes. If you owe, uh, pay honor and respect to the governing authority, to the emperor. Like he's talking about like, this is Nero's Rome. Right. This is, this is the government and the emperor that is burning Christians alive. And Paul's instruction to them is don't revolt against that. Like, no, 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 no. The, the way that you overthrow Rome is not by becoming Rome. It's not by endorsing the government's position on murder. Yeah. So we want to take this to be instruction on here is exactly, you just listen to what the government says all the time, but that's, right. that's a part of what Paul is getting at, but that's, it's more than that. It's here's what's specifically going on. Don't you dare think that like staging a coup is what is going to bring about the kingdom of Jesus. Right. And, and don't try to, for a second to think that Paul is, a, is endorsing <laughs> capital punishment right here. Yeah. So like the other thing that, that's interesting here, he says that the government is God's servant um, that bears the sword, a servant or an agent of God's wrath. Say it, Paul. Do it. Wrath. wrath. It's just fun. It's just a little Australian wrath. Wrath. The wrath of God. It just sounds better when you say it that way. Um, <laughs> But this is, this is common. Like, God does this in other places in Scripture, you know, of even, like, the phrasing of God's servant or an agent or an instrument of wrath, that's how the nation of Babylon and the nation of Assyria were talked about in the Old Testament. Right. When Israel, like, God's people got off track, like, King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon was called God's servant. Does that mean God was just like, oh, man, Nebuchadnezzar? Nebuchadnezzar, the bunny. Like, I love you so much. I'm so, I, I just support everything you do. So you're going to be my servant. Like, no. Or um, with Assyria, was there like the, the, the club, the agent, the weapon of God's wrath? Is like, was he like, oh man, Assyrians, you're great. I support everything you're doing. Like, no. Because then actually, later on in the storyline, Okay, like Babylon and Assyria, they fall. They're punished yeah, because they God, are wicked and messed the, up. The prophets prophesy their downfall and yeah. say, that because you have committed such great wickedness, this yeah. is what God is going to do. Just because God used them does not mean that God condoned them or what they were doing. Right. Which is the same way that, that like, I mean, it's, I don't think it's a coincidence that Paul phrases that even in the same way, that, that, that the government, in this case, the Roman Empire, is a servant of God's wrath. Paul is not putting the stamp of approval on the Roman Empire and saying, yep, this is God approved. Rome is God's nation. <laughs> like, no, that, that's not what's happening here, but God can use that, which brings you to the idea, Paul says, you submit to the governing authorities. He does not say that you have to support them, endorse them, champion their cause. And so submit to the governing authority. They do 
institute order, which is a good mm-hmm. thing. So there's not total anarchy, but that does not mean that you just say, well, hey, this is all okay. Right. Because as a Christian supporting capital punishment, I mean, we, we put a nice thing on it. So we call it capital punishment instead of state sanctioned murder, which is really what it is. Um, as, as Christians, I don't think we can be in favor of, of murdering somebody, yep. uh, no matter who commits murder, yeah. whether it's an individual or a corporation or a state, um, a state meaning like a federal body, not like an individual state, yep. although that could happen. Yeah. Yeah. And so you, you have to take the whole picture of things. Um, and so like with Paul's words, again, we're, we're submitting to the government. That doesn't mean we're supporting them. Right. If the if a governing body, if a you know state, as in a whatever, not a local state, a political a entity, political entity, if they you know employ capital punishment or do anything, whatever, I I will submit to the laws of the land because that is an honoring thing to do. Right. But that does not mean I will support everything. Um, because I, I, I take I take things in context. I take things and like, well, I got to also remember that Paul said, do not repay evil for evil. That do not, uh, you know, avenge. Like, that vengeance is mine, says the Lord. Like, I got to, I have to, I have to take, I got to hold both of those in tension. Right. I got to hold the way of Jesus in tension as well. That says, all right, blessed are the peacemakers and, you know, love your enemies and all of these kind of things. Right. You can't cherry pick. And you it's, have it's to a trust. comprehensive view. You have to trust that, you know, what Paul said, that justice is mine, I will repay the Lord, that that God will mete out his justice. Mm-hmm. However that happens, whether it's through, you know, the state, the law, because mm-hmm. every con- every decision comes prepackaged with a set of consequences, or if it's in some other way that God wants to bring out justice, and it's not justice as in like a karma kind of sense. Yeah, it's not like karmic, karmic justice. Yeah. Um, have we we talked this thing to death enough yet i think so i mean we could go to the old testament but i think that's another conversation for another day if we wanted to Mm -hmm. Uh, because as christians we focus on the new testament and what the sermon on the mount commands us yes yes, old testament is great it's interesting we should use the old testament but it doesn't form the foundation yeah i mean well it kind of is the foundation of our faith because it leads to jesus but it's 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 informative it's right it's background it's but it's not it, it never supersedes Jesus. Right. Um, like the whole point of it was to get us to Jesus, you know, that Jesus is now like the, the perfect representation of God that the author of Hebrews says, Hey, the old covenant is, it's obsolete. Right. It's, it's, gone. it's gone. No more. We still, we still use it. We still learn from it, but Jesus takes precedence. Right. So that is our position on capital punishment. Yeah. If you got um, anything out of that, okay. that, you know, no person is <laughs> beyond, God's ability to redeem them, to make them something new. Because, yes. I mean, under our current, I guess, legal system and Christian's perspective on being pro-capital punishment, the Apostle Paul should have been put to death. Yeah. Yeah. But yet God redeemed him. And look yeah. what God did through him. And we believe that every person is capable of that, of being redeemed. So who are we to, in, you know, imperfect people, to make such judgment calls. Mm-hmm. We know that our justice system in the United States, it's great, but it does have its flaws. We know that there is systemic racism, racism that the, um, 
death row inmates are uh, disproportionately African-American. So there's questions there. So as followers of Jesus, at the end of the day, that's where we need, I think, where we need to come from, Mm -hmm. is what does it look like to follow Jesus as it relates to this issue? So let me put a summary little bow on this. Yeah, thank you. Because we kind of rambled. I rambled a lot. I rambled a lot. We were we were rambling. We were born rambling men. We're just doing the best we can. All right, put your okay. little summary on it. Um, so I would say, you know, we come out and say that in not just our opinion, because like a lot of Christian thought that capital punishment is not consistent with the way of Jesus. The reasons being, number one, every single person is made in the image of God, is an image-bearing human being. And number two, that nobody is beyond redemption then, that, that anybody is someone that um, can receive the grace and the love and the forgiveness of Jesus and be reborn and have a, you know, a brand new creation. And to step in and say, sorry, you've, you've missed that opportunity, um, like that God is the only one that can come to that point. Um, and that then... Number three. So where am I at? Man, my bow isn't even a bow. So one, made in the image of God. Two, nobody is beyond the redemption of Jesus. Number three, the the ethic of Jesus is consistently through his teaching and through his own self-sacrificial death. The ethic of Jesus is we do not repay evil with evil. We do not repay violence with violence. That you, if it comes down to it, you are overcome by evil and violence. Um, and that that's just the way of the kingdom. Yeah. Um, and then number four, even in Paul, when he talks about the role of the government and um, governing authorities and bearing the sword, that that requires context, um, that he's speaking to some very specific um, ideas, and we look at the whole of what he said. Uh, and that number five, uh, we trust uh, in God. We trust in his justice and his time. We leave wrath or punishment to him. Um, and that we can still then submit to the governing authorities without necessarily supporting everything that they do. Yep. That was a nice little summary, though. So. Thanks. It was, more hard, like, it was hard work. It was more like a Celtic knot than a bow, but it was <laughs> very nice. All right. So thank you for tuning in today, for watching us. If you're watching us on YouTube, if you've got questions, please send them our, our way. You can comment below on YouTube or email us at info at hoopcommunityonline.org. And remember, follow Jesus. We'll see you back here next week.